amazing! It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts! Welcome to our show where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. Today we're discussing the episode Girl on the Battlefield, and we're gonna start as we always do with an improvised 21 second recap. But the person who'll do the 21 second recap will be chosen by the roll of a dice. So if you lands on one, it's me. If you lands on two, it's Arthur. If you lands on three, it's Mike. If you lands on four, we'll roll again. One. Shit. <laughs> this is incredible. All right, somebody count me down. Three, two, one, go. So Ling and Lanthan manage to evade Wrath by Lanthan cuts off her arm, and Ling helps capture Gluttony, which is actually all part of Mustang's plan. At the same time, uh, Mei Chang appears and saves Scars at the last minute. Everybody get uh, Winry goes away. She goes back home because everybody needs her. And then they all get together at a little cabin where Gluttony's being kept. But Gluttony's like, I hate Mustang. I'm going to eat Bam. you. Ah, damn it. That was almost there. That's pretty good. Yeah, I That's think pretty you got good. the main part. Uh, and then Gluttony's <laughs> belly goes crazy at the end. Turns into an eyeball and blows out. Yep. Like you do. That guy needs some Pepto, you know? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> yeah. That's a good Pepto-Bismol commercial. So we're going to do a new thing starting this episode, which is mentioning the people who worked on this particular episode. So this episode was directed by Takayuki Tanaka. This is his only episode of Brotherhood. He's also worked in one of the three animated prequel shorts for Blade Runner 2049, which are pretty good. This episode was written by Michihiro Tsuchiya who also wrote several episodes of Brotherhood, including Alchemist's Anguish, Reign of Sorrows, and Separate Destinations. Damn. Great. Some good episodes there. That's that's great. I wish we had done this earlier, because it's really cool to see who has written our favorites. We're going to do this from now on. We will. Yes. <laughs> we will. Hold on. I have, a, I have a quick rant. I was very laid up last night, trying to get my freaking Samsung Smart TV to watch freaking Space Brothers, this anime that's on Crunchyroll. Because Crunchyroll discontinued their app, like supported on Samsung TVs. A few minutes later. It was playing up on the screen. And then the subtitles were displayed on my phone. But, <laughs> <laughs> but not on the screen. A little longer than a few minutes later. You know, it's funny you said I want to start off with a rant because I'm I not even done. You're not done? <laughs> There's more. <laughs> oh, please continue. Yeah. Finish. So then I... Four to six days later. Crunchyroll through Apple TV through my Samsung television. Anyway, it didn't work. <laughs> Two thousand years later. So you can cut all this, but I, I just kind of had to get it out. <laughs> Did you have a rant, Michelle? I have a rant, which is... I was so close to giving this episode a five. Boy, I was so close. And then one thing happened which I hate, I despise. It better not be the best thing that happened. Which we all know and are going to say at the same time. Mei oh, Chang oh, appeared. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Arthur? Let's hear that one at a time. The little panda. Arm on the dog. Mei Chang appearing. There, much better. My problem was with Mei Chang appearing out of nowhere. Because one of the soldiers goes, where did she come from? And I went, good question. Where has she been these past seven episodes? <laughs> I kind of agree. You know, I consider myself a feminist and, you know, great. Girl on the battlefield. But as soon as she came on, I'm like, get this girl off the battlefield. You know? <laughs> Look, she kicked butt. She did cool stuff that no one else can do with knives and alka history, oh, and I she has a little no, panda no friend. No doubts about that. My problem is just that she came out of nowhere to save Scar from, like, 
She wasn't May X. Deus Ex Pandia. Panda. Anyway, why was she saying that Scar is the servant of the guy who saved her life? That's a very good question. I I, I thought I just made. I was also like, did we skip something? And then. The very next scene, uh, Yoki, who is the uh, the other guy, is like, master, master to Scar. And I'm like, what? Do you think it was a dubbing issue? There Just is actually weirdness? a dubbing issue in this episode that's interesting. When they first get Xiaomei, Ed refers to it as a panda. In the manga, they make a point where everyone who's not from Shane calls it a weird black and white cat because they don't know what pandas are. They do later. It's like in Star Wars when they're like, we're on a wild goose chase. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. How do they know what a goose is? <laughs> Look, that was literally my only problem with the entire episode. Otherwise, <laughs> I thought this was a phenomenal episode with some, honestly, off the shelf action direction. Some of the best fighting so far. There were some really good, uh, incredible moments. Like when Link comes flying out of the manhole and... When Hawkeye drifts with the car or when Alphonse jumps into the water tower, it's just these little moments of like... I thought the shots where Al was fighting Scar using the rocks as platforms kind of... That was so, so cool. Yes. The moments where you really see Al as at least as talented alchemist as Ed are always really cool to me. Or how about when you have Ed like pulling away from Winry and she's like letting go with the automail, you know what I mean? Like... That's like a choice, mm-hmm. you know, like you see their hands touching. I, there was a lot of moments like that where they clap their hands together at the same time and they're like synced up and, you know, they're just unstoppable at this moment. That's why I said we should start mentioning the people who directed this episode because I, I wrote so many good things about the direction that I was like, we should put a name to the people who did this. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's highlight the directors. Good work. I like the plan. I think, you know, even as jarring as it was to have an image where I'm like, wait, is that a dog with an arm tied to it? (laughs) (laughs) That's super jarring, but it it was like, oh, yeah. Poor dog. No, that that, was cool. That would work, right? That would, like, that's pretty smart, you know? Damn, I hope someone untied her arm from the dog. (laughs) No, that did not happen. There's still, that's (laughs) the real victim of this. I hope Bradley, you know, untied that arm. There's no way he did. Bradley's yeah. <laughs> not going to like walk by Shao Tucker's window. He's like, is that some kind of new chimera? <laughs> some kind of some kind of hand dog? <laughs> That's the sort of thing you'd see in downtown LA at night and just be like, I'm not asking any questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you just walk right into 7-Eleven. <laughs> well, it's like there's definitely a story there, but <laughs> I don't want to know it. Uh, something I really liked about Lanfon's plan is this subtle point they make about Ed, which is they kind of highlight how Ed doesn't really care about his metal arm. It's this hint of just how focused he is on getting his body back. Like, he doesn't care about his metal arm. He's all about his actual arm, which is somewhere waiting for him. Oh, that's interesting. Which goes back to my idea that this is about them regaining their humanity. I'm coming to your same conclusion a different way. The way I feel about it is it's not that he cares about his arm at all. It's that he doesn't need a new arm. He doesn't need to get his arm back. It's not important for him to get his body back. It's it's important to get his humanity back. Well, I think it's important to him to get Al's body back. I think that drives him way more than getting his own. I agree. But what about Winry leaving town and having everybody yeah, yeah, be like, yeah. oh, Winry. <laughs> 
You sure do a good job. <laughs> yeah, we you love do. you, Henry. I love you too. <laughs> me too, Henry. Fix my arm. And don't forget about me, Henry. <laughs> and what about me? Henry, it's me. It's it's Josh from the bar. Anyway, please go. Hey, Henry. Don't forget about my weird leg. Hey, Winry. <laughs> and don't forget about my arm. Isn't this the town of automails? Why the hell do they all need the same person? It's like, right. how <laughs> bad is everyone else that Winry came in and now everyone in that entire town is like, we need Winry. We You're need- our favorite, Winry. We love you. We love you, Winry. <laughs> oh, you little Winry girl. I Yo, Winry, <laughs> get out here. We out here, Winry. What if there's someone else was like, I don't really care about Winry, and then you just hear him getting punched. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I just really enjoyed this rabble scene. <laughs> like, like, all these people with one with random little missing body parts. I feel bad that she's already on the train, and then Long Fong, she wakes up, and she's like, yeah, I need a new metal arm. He's like, I know just the person who got on the train. <laughs> and curb your enthusiasm theme plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like. No, I do want to talk about Winry as kind of a bigger conversation because I thought this was one of my favorite Winry character episodes because it was sort of a follow up to the themes that were introduced last episode about her always being the one watching people go away and not knowing when they'll come back. And then this episode begins again with Ed going away again. That was really cool and really touching. And then, I don't know, as funny as it was getting all the random people on the phone <laughs> to make a big <laughs> a big joint phone call, I, I did find it really touching because Winry has people who need her just like her parents. And it's following up again on what Ed was saying to her about these hands are made for building and creating and not shooting guns these hands are made for building <laughs> and that's just what they all do yeah <laughs> and they'll build automail for you winry's the real girl on the battlefield you know yeah holy shit that's so true she has such a powerful moment where she's like why am i always the one you know waiting behind and and and, and stuff and then you see that you're right and there's an upswing to that is because you're the one who's making things you're building things you're making life better i wish we had camilla here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, super sad. Ed saying his uh, goodbye. I like that he mumbled it and didn't say it, and that she made him say it. That was a know, great out loud human moment. Him shout, like walking away and shouting. The next time I make you cry, there'll be tears of joy. They they plant that a bunch of times, and now it ends with him being like, "I'll make you cry." Yeah. <laughs> next time I'll we make see you cry. each other, I'll make you You're cry. You're, You're gonna, gonna be so happy. Cry, Winry. By how happy you are. This episode was a doubling down of Ed's determination in the way that we got a doubling down of Al's determination a few episodes ago. It's like a counterpart to that. Yeah. I was just thinking about all those people at the at the city calling Winry, racking up the bill. <laughs> yeah. And Garfield's like, shut the fuck up, please. I gotta turn off <laughs> <out> the phone. <laughs> I'll pay a thousand dollars in a phone bill because you guys won't shut the fuck <laughs> I mean, if they split the bill, you know, it's probably not that bad. The episode was surprisingly chill despite the big things happening in it. Right. Very calm. Like, like, oh, we got the upper hand, you know, like. It was cool. It was cool to see plans working and them, you know, outsmarting the, the bigger enemies. 
it was also the kind of episode that I think that we will see more of in the future. The show does become more serialized and... It's like the the spread all over the world vibe of the early episodes where it's like they're going from place to place. Right. Or they're cutting to different stories in different places. That yeah. vibe starts to go away as they kind of focus it. It's a continuous line of action, I think. Yeah. That's what it is. Let's talk about this guys for a second because if you're this guy's as I, sp- I put on glasses and I let my hair down... Who the hell bought that? <laughs> no, like, literally no one did. Yeah, not, no, no, no. Not Fear Bradley, not Adonel. Yeah, she could have done a little bit more. She could have put a mustache on or something, she you know? She could have put a wig on. Like, her most recognizable feature is her blonde hair. Cover up that fucking blonde hair. I do like it when they're at the cabin and they're all, like, kind of just getting everyone up to speed on what's going on. And Ling is like, yeah, your fear is a homunculus. I kind of wish just somebody in the back went, Called it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been perfect. I I don't know. This is the first time I watched Ling and I was like, yeah, this guy's all right. It's because he's shirtless, right? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> no, because he's because he's smart. He's like, use cables. You know, cables are the way <laughs> to bind this guy. And also he's smart and he's fast and he's doing stuff. And he's and hot. He's, and he's sad about his, nice hair. his follower. He's like, and you know, he's and he's said to give sacrifice. Sure. You know, he looks good without a shirt on. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, clearly he works out. But like, I feel like the big thing is the big thing that he brought to the table was like, this is the first time where he was not passive. He was like a man of action. You know, he was doing stuff. This was the first episode where he wasn't constantly the butt of a joke. Yes, that's it. That's got to be it. It's an overused trope that I'm surprisingly not tired of at all, which is the character that just loves food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that Maybe because it's me. love food. You know what? Because it shows that they love like being alive, you know, that they're they're full of life. It makes them relatable because everyone will be like, but I love food. Oh, that's me. As you guys know, last week we had Camilla Franklin, past and future guest of the show. She brought us a trivia game. And I have to say... I was inspired. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a game. That's right. Oh, snap. I am excited. The game is called Homuncule All Over the World. (laughs) In an unexpected turn of events, the homunculi have quit being on their father's employ and are now going to get work in other well-known movies or TV shows. You have to guess what movie or TV show I'm talking about based on the description. We're going to start with Mike. Since they spent most of their life under the same roof, the homunculi decide to at first get a collective gig starring as the bad guys in this 2019 superhero movie. But they don't find much joy in play second fiddle to Mark Strong and fight with the director after he replaces them with CGI characters. What movie is this, Mike? Oh, I know what this movie is. I, I just can't remember. It's it's called uh, Suicide Squad. No. What? It's not? <laughs> it's Shazam. The bad guys in Shazam are the Seven Sins. Oh. Suicide Squad oh. is 2016, guys. Come on. I feel like Suicide Squad was so bad, it feels more recent to me. That's just your brain tricking you into <laughs> to making you believe it's not been four years since that movie. Oh, wow. Four years. Arthur. Envy splits off from the group and decides to pursue a solo career, acting against Ben Stiller and Jack Black in the titular role of this 2004 comedy about a spray that can disintegrate dog poop. What's the name of the movie? No. Titular role. 
<laughs> Sorry. Jack Black? When was Jack Black in a movie with Ben Stiller? Oh, come on. I know the answer. Uh, fucking Zoolander. I don't know. You got it. No, it's wrong. <laughs> the movie's called it's, Envy. I want to say it. Oh. I've never heard of this film. But Arthur, it's, it's, I told it's, you it's, it's the picture of roll. So it's called Envy. I, I guess I would have gotten that if I had known that that was a movie. It's a good movie. Uh, well, you know, I don't know. It's kind of it's sort of a ho-hum. But, you know, I, I think about it all the time. So it must be kind of good. Mike, Rath, on the other hand, manages to get a nice paycheck by working as a bladed weapon supervisor for this 1994 thriller. His ultimate eye comes specially in handy for the final scene when he's told to cut off Gwyneth Paltrow's head. What is that movie? Seven. You're right. It is seven. Yeah. Arthur, Lust doesn't find much luck in Hollywood, but she does get the opportunity of a lifetime when she's tapped to replace Raquel Welch in this 1967 comedy. Unfortunately, Lust does not get asked back when Brendan Fraser decides to remake this movie. What is the movie? I know what this is. Uh... Okay, shoot. Okay, well, now I know what it is, but I'm blanking on the title. It's not the daddy. What? Mike, shh. <laughs> it's been remade like four or five times, and there's always a girl who's discovered by a producer who then tragically commits suicide in the end. No, you're thinking of A Star is Born. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, how did you get from Brendan Fraser to A Star is Born? Yeah, I want to know the answer to that question as well. Wait, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. The mummy. He heard. He heard. Wait, wait. What did you hear? Oh, no. Get back. Get back. What did you he hear? Bradley Cooper. Did you hear Bradley yeah, Cooper? No. Look, if you haven't already cut my rant from earlier, you'll know that I got like four hours of sleep. Okay. 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 Just for the sake of the game, I'll give you this one. The answer is bewitched. Oh, my God. I got it. My first try. What's funny is that Bradley Cooper kind of does sort of occupy the same space that Bradley Cooper did in a more updated Bradley way, Cooper in my opinion. Occupy the same space you as Bradley Cooper? You said, no. Other way around, sorry. You know, you, not even other way around, Mike. You said Bradley Cooper twice. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we need to get go. Okay. They're like, they sound the same. They're like the same name. Sorry, go ahead. I know. Okay, you can see where I'm coming from, Mike. <laughs> Brendan Fraser, guys. You're confusing Brendan, Brendan Fraser with Bradley Cooper. <laughs> that is not a normal thing to confuse. But if you saw Bradley Cooper dressed up as Brendan Fraser, you would get confused. No, Look, you wouldn't. <laughs> if this isn't cut, please tweet at me with showing your support or calling me an idiot. One of those two. Like if Brendan Fraser was fighting a mummy, you'd be like, oh, no, no, I mean, Bradley Cooper. Sorry. No, he wouldn't. Mike, stop. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Any of you can answer this. Whoever answers it first gets it. Having managed to avoid death at father's hands, Greed finds a new home for himself in this American den of finance. So much so that he's chosen to portray the leading role in this 1987 Oliver Stone film. Can you blame him? He basically gets to make a speech about how he himself is good. Bro, right. Greed is good. What is the movie? Right. Uh, Money God, never the... sleeps. No. Is the tagline. For the second one. Damn it. Uh... Wall Street. You got it. <laughs> it's Wall <laughs> Street. Yeah. The real winner is Brendan Cooper. <laughs> you lost because of my pity vote. Now, Arthur, you may have won, but now it's time for a different person to make a guess. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, Mikey at the Mat. 
Mike, I'm going to give you the thumbnail for next week's episode. It appears to be Gluttony opening his entire uh, himself with teeth coming out of everywhere. Um, And he's approaching Envy in such a way that it may be that Envy is in the distance. Like, you know, when you're superimposing and squishing people's heads from a distance, like in Kids in the Hall, you know? Yes. What is going to happen in the episode Inside the Valley? Here's my thinking. That eyeball that we saw inside of Gluttony reminded me of something I feel like I've seen before in this show. But when he saw God, when he went to open the gates of whatever, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I think that's really interesting. The next episode is Inside the Belly. It makes me think maybe this one will be an episode that explores just how depraved and dark the homunculus story is. You know what I mean? What we're really up against here is going to become more clear. Now that Mike has made his guess, it's time for us to grade the episode, giving it a score between one and five stars. I'm going to get started by saying 4.5. Like I said, my only big problem with this episode was that Mei Chang came literally out of nowhere and was such a Mei ex machina, a Deus ex machina, that it, it, it kind of like soured me a little bit. But otherwise, I thought it was a fantastic episode. I'm going to give it a four. I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really solid. And again, it's the kind of episode that we're going to get more of in the future where it's more like, here's another episode of Full Metal Alchemist and it's and it's great, but it's like a continuous line of action. Not my favorite ever but it's really, really solid and good, and I loved it. I'm going to give it five stars because I want to see more of this little panda and what it can do and where it might go. And I think that the correct term going forward, if the panda appears out of Al, is panda x Al. I just feel like I'm really excited to see what where things go from here and see if the panda will learn a way to bite Al or, or if, if Al will make... Uh, better communication with the panda or I'm just really very focused on finding out where the panda's from and panda's backstory at this point and if you want to be a panda stuck inside Al's armor don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analyst that's FM Analyst on Twitter subscribe to us on Spotify iTunes wherever you get your podcasts I'd also like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr if you want to check that out go to fullmetal-analysts.tumblr.com but be careful there are spoilers abound. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty. Bye bye. 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 My wife. My wife. My wife. My wife. Borat too. My wife. <laughs> uh, <Bora> too. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice.